Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All righty, what's happening? It is the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. I'm going to get back into the college football playoff conversation in just a, a second and our chase to four teams and some crazy scenarios on what could potentially happen after this weekend. But first... I got to get to a story that usually we would not be talking about this sport right now. With that being said, I am a big fan of hockey. I did go uh, to the Ranger game last night. Now, the Rangers didn't have a great effort, but they're having a really good season. And there were some rumors like the last few days that something happened with Corey Perry, but it was a, a personal matter. And he was away from the team. And you didn't really think much of it. And then there was some, like, bizarre internet rumor that Connor Bedard, who is the new thing in hockey, right, supposed to be like a a Wayne Gretzky type of player, a Connor McDavid type of player, and so many people have this, this high expectation for Connor Bedard. He's the number one overall pick, making his debut this season, And he's supposed to be all that. And the expectations, right, there's a ceiling, and then there's going through the ceiling. Uh, He's going, he's expected to go through the ceiling. So Corey Perry, who's 38 years old, longtime NHL player, was brought into Chicago to mentor Connor Bedard and be that veteran voice in the locker room and pretty much (laughs) be like a father figure to him. Now, in this case, he may have took it a little bit too far or a little bit literal. In that definition, because there was some rumor that Corey Perry was maybe having a little bam chicka wamp wamp time as well. Clean it up for the radio. I don't want to be like our morning show that had to get dumped this morning because Maggie Gray was talking about a a sex toy being thrown on the field. And she said a word that Pete the Body Bilotti thought could not be able to air on the good old radio because God forbid we, we, we hear that word that starts with a D. But reportedly or speculated here, Corey Perry may have had a little nookie time, little smoochy smoochy time with Connor Bedard's mother. Now, in hockey, there's a lot of times where they have a dad's trip or they have a mom's trip. They invite all the moms to the team, all the dads of the team separate, and they, they all seem a luxury box. I guess the, the Blackhawks recently had their mother's trip, and that's when this supposedly happened. So you see that the other day. And you go, oh, that'd be a funny story. It would kind of be like uh, American Pie with Stifler's mom and things like that. 
But is that just an internet rumor? Or is there actually some juice to that situation? Is there actually some legs to that situation? Well, today, the Chicago Blackhawks released a statement on Corey Perry. After an internal investigation, the Chicago Chicago Blackhawks have determined that Corey Perry has engaged in conduct that is unacceptable and in violation of both the terms of a standard player contract and the Blackhawks' internal policies intended to promote professional and safe work environments. As such, Corey Perry has been placed on unconditional waivers. In the event Mr. Perry clears waivers, we intend to terminate his contract effectively immediately. Effective immediately. How about these rumors? All like think about this. How dumb well, you could depend here. I was gonna say how dumb Corey Perry is. <laughs> it may be worth losing your job if you've seen some of the photos of uh, Connor Bedard's mother. But imagine you get brought in to mentor the next thing in hockey in Connor Bedard. That that is who you are getting brought in to mentor. And you then find a way, allegedly, or being speculated to sleep with this mother, and that's how you lose lose your job. That's one of the more craziest and unbelievable stories that I've ever heard. And that is a wild way to wrap up your uh, your hockey career. Stu, I know you're a big hockey guy. You're a, a stinking New Jersey Devils fan. That's right. <laughs> when you hear this story, how do you react to it? Uh, this There's a lot of rumors about Delonte West and LeBron James's mother. There's been some other rumors and some other stories throughout the years. But this is the next thing in hockey. 18-year-old sensation in Connor Bedard. <laughs> for, for Corey Perry, like, what do you think is going to happen? You sleep with the guy's mother? He finds out you think he's going to be like, oh, thanks, man. Really appreciate your mentorship. I'm glad you slept with uh, my mother. That is absolutely wild. And Bedard is king in Chicago right now because he's supposed to bring the Blackhawks back after their great run. And they've been bad for the last few years. And this guy, Perry, thought it was a good idea to sleep with Bedard's mother. Reportedly. Yeah, reportedly. And especially that's Bedard. You know that they're going to do every single thing. Like, they're going to protect him like bubble wrap. Anything, the slightest thing that goes not his way, they're you know, he's gone. There's just no question. He could be any player. Yeah. Like, let's say, Samter, you slept with my mother. And Spike comes up to me after this gets public. You think I'm going to sit there and say, oh, yeah, I want to keep Big Mike CB. Oh, that's not a good name to say right there when talking about Sam to potentially <laughs> sleeping with my mother. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Big Mike, you, yeah. You think I'm going to be okay with working with Big Mike uh, CBS all the time, knowing that that guy was was maybe fooling around with my mother? No. That wouldn't be a, a comfortable work environment. It's okay, son. <laughs> <laughs> you thought I erupted like a volcano, like Mount Vesuvius over the college football playoff expansion. Samter, you are are walking down a road right now that I don't think you want to be walking around. Maybe I should change my Twitter handle from uh, Big Mike CBS to Big Daddy CBS. Uh, I was going to say Little Mike C- Oh, sorry. I didn't want to go there. Um, but Barrett Sports Media is probably going to write about us awful announcing. <laughs> the CBS Sports radio host punches producer in the face after uh, saying he would sleep uh, with his mother. But that's the uh, the latest story. Hey, real quickly. I got to ask you guys something. So this is uh, involving our morning show on CBS Sports Radio, Maggie and Perloff, and then I'll, I'll get back into the college football playoff scenarios. Did you Are you guys up to date on what happened between this bet 
with uh, Maggie and, and Perloff. Uh, Stu, you have any clue what I'm talking about? I am, yes, yes. Uh, so the, Maggie put the tweet of the spread out. It was Eagles minus three. And Maggie puts the spread out. We have a bet where they, they're like, if Perloff loses, he has to dress up in Bill's like uh, gear. If Maggie loses, uh, she has to dress up in Eagles gear and do the, the team's fight song, the Let's Go Buffalo chant or Fly Eagles Fly. So Maggie loses the, the bet, in my opinion, because the Bills lose to the Eagles. And Maggie goes, oh, well, it was a push on the spread because it was Eagles minus three, and they ended up winning the game by three. So Maggie, I guess, is now trying to back her way out of the bet and Maggie pays off all these bets. That's why I don't get it. But when I saw the tweet, and when I saw that this was put out, and I, I was not listening to the actual agreement of the bet on the air, I thought for sure it was just whoever wins the game straight up. And Spike makes a great point. Our boss, Spike Eskin, who tried to settle this today. If Perloff could have lost the bet, or no, Maggie, Maggie could have, because it was minus three, like Perloff could have had his team win the Eagles, but if they lose by two, he would have had to dress up, or they won by two, he would have had to dress up in Bill's gear because it wasn't Eagles minus three? I don't know. Like, if we're making a bet, Stu, I think it's different when I log on to, like, let's say my FanDuel account. And it's right up, I'm going to take the Eagles laying three. That's different. But we make a bet, let's say the Patriots played the Raiders earlier in the year. And we make a bet, all right, I think the Patriots are going to win, you think the Raiders are going to win. You're not saying, oh, I think the Patriots are going to win by three points, and, and that's the way that we're going to maneuver that. When you make a bet with you have to do something embarrassing on the line, it's just, just straight up who's going to win the game. Especially when the spread is that close. Like, I could see if it's like, okay, Raiders-Chiefs, I would maybe want some points, you know, because Chiefs are a way better team than yeah. Raiders. But if the team like the Eagles and the, and the Bills where the spread was three points, that's almost even. That's close, right? Like, that's close enough to where I would just think winner doesn't have to do it. Loser has to do it. Now, I'm only one person. My voice probably doesn't matter in this conversation, but I think it's a little bit weak. I do think it's a little bit weak if Maggie does not dress up in the Buffalo Bills or in the Philadelphia Eagles gear and does the Eagles fight song. I think this whole point spread, I think there's some scandal going on. There's something shady going on here, and I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop, and I'm waiting to get the joke, but... I was watching some social media clips. Maggie was was pretty heated about the whole situation. I, I think Maggie needs to to pay up on the bet that she lost. No one makes a bet between two teams that I know the records better indicate that they're even, but going into it, it's like, oh, this is the biggest game of the weekend. This is a huge game. All right. I thought Buffalo was was gonna win the game, honestly. And I, I rarely pick against the Eagles. And Lane Johnson is out. No one sits there and goes, Oh, the bet is Eagles minus three, and then whoever loses the bet needs to do something embarrassing on the show. So you know, I, I love Maggie. I love Perloff, but I'm on Perloff's side here. I, I think Maggie needs to dress up in Eagles gear. I don't know if she has any history with Philadelphia, why she doesn't like Philadelphia, and she's afraid to do this, but then don't make the bet. That's the way that I say it. Stu looks like he wants to say something, but he's refusing to say something right now. No, here. I'm good. I'm putting Stu in an awkward situation because <laughs> Stu loves me, and he also loves Maggie and Perloff as well. Sam, are any thoughts on this, uh, this matter here between uh, Maggie and Perloff and this whole Beckgate? Because, you know, I, I think Maggie... Uh, right now, saying that it's, hey, Eagles uh, laying three and this is a push, that's just a little bit ridiculous. Maybe it's a tush push. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. But um, bum. 855 212 4CBS, 855 Let me go to Michael in Las Vegas next up on CBS Sports Radio. Mike, what's happening? We have. Mike, go ahead. What are you in the drive through line? Mike. We had. Um... Oh, let's hear his phone call here. 
Mike. Hello? Yeah, you're on the air, Mike. Yeah. What are you in the drive-through line? Hey. I'm at a, the vet actually with my cat. Don't laugh. Oh well, got, I hope like, everything's okay with your cat. So uh, you, he's got teeth problems. They need to come out. It's, yeah. Gotcha. Anyways, go ahead. No, real quick. I just wanted to say um, I, I agree with you, like on that Penn State thing, how they have two lot, but. I just thought eight teams would be better than six or 12 because if you have a 12 team, then those teams are going to play. Like, let's say you have a Penn State against Missouri. They're going to have to go play after getting beat up each other. They're going to have to go play a rest of Georgia. I don't think that's cool. That's why I think eight teams is the, is the, the right amount. You got it. Thanks so much, Mike. Hope everything's okay with your cat. I don't really know where he was going with that phone call. He lost me after the whole cat situation as well, and then... So his point is, with the 12-team playoff, the first, the top four teams get a bye. Yeah. And so the next eight teams... So what he's saying is, you know, Team 12 and Team 6, whoever wins that game, mm-hmm. is beat up. They have to play an extra game, and so they're already going to get their butts kicked against Georgia, and now Georgia's rested and has a week off and gets to play them off a bye, so they're going to beat them even worse than what it would have been had they just played straight up. So he's advocating for an 18 playoff. So that makes sense. Okay, yeah, I guess. I, I, I I guess, guess like, in a 12-team format, you don't deserve to have an ideal situation if you didn't have a good regular season. We can't totally ruin the regular season. I'm supposed to play my small violin here because uh, because you had to go play before while another team that deserved it get a bye? Ah, come on. All righty. Uh, let me get to this what if here. But let's just follow through with this because I think this is a big conversation. Michigan's going to win the Big Ten championship. They're in. Then let's say Oregon upsets Washington. I don't even know if it's an upset anymore. But Oregon beats Washington. They're going to get in. Then Florida State wins this ACC championship game. They'd be undefeated. Bama wins the SEC championship game. And Texas wins the Big 12 championship. In that scenario, I think Michigan gets in. I think Oregon gets in. And I do think Bama and Florida State would get in as well. I think Texas needs help to get into the college football playoff. I really do. They need Alabama to lose to Georgia for starters. And even though that's backwards because Texas beat Alabama this year. Personally, I would put Texas in over Bama, but I don't think that's what the committee's going to do. I don't see how the committee's going to leave out a one-loss SEC champ in the final installment of a 14 playoff. I don't buy it for a single second. So I really think for the road for Texas to get in, Texas is going to need Georgia to beat Alabama because then Georgia gets in. Michigan will win the Big Ten. They get in. And I guess the easiest road, because Oregon-Washington is relevant, one of them is going to get in. They're going to need Florida State to then also lose. So for them to get in, they're either going to need Florida State to lose in the uh, in, 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 um, in the race to to get into the college football playoff, and they're going to need Georgia to, to, to beat Alabama. That's what they're going to need. They're going to need both those things to happen for Texas to get in or feel comfortable about getting in. And in most of these years, we don't have a big debate or a big argument or a big gripe to get into the, uh, to the college football playoff because the four teams that are there, they're usually understanding. Texas gets left out as a one-loss Big 12 champ. Man, there's going to be some serious pushback, especially Texas, who beat Alabama back in week two um, in Tuscaloosa. So just to kind of recap that, I let me give it to you this way. These, this is why I believe the four teams will get into the college football playoff. I believe Michigan will get in. I think Oregon's going to beat Washington. They'll get in. 
I still think Georgia is going to beat Alabama, and I'm 50-50 on that, but I'm leaning Georgia right now if I had to go one way or another. And then ultimately, I think Florida State gets in. I do think Florida State wins out, and they'll be in. So Texas could have potential debates about should they get in over Florida State and should they get in over Alabama. And right now, I don't think they're going to have a leg to stand on from the committee's view because I don't believe the committee is going to hold out Alabama as the one-loss SEC champion. And you tell me Florida State goes undefeated, they're going to get held out of the college football playoff. I don't buy it. So Texas is going to need to they need to win first. And I think a lot of people are overlooking Oklahoma State. They first have to beat Oklahoma State. And then they are going to need help. They're going to need help. But Texas fans, on Monday, you don't get in and Bama gets in over you, let's just say. I do believe you have a legitimate argument to make. Because then why play the regular season games? Texas doesn't get in over Alabama when Texas beat Alabama and they have the same record and they both won their conference. That wouldn't make sense to me. But I just don't see how the committee would hold that Alabama on a one-loss SEC champion. All right, it is Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. Who do you think will be the four teams that get into the college football playoff? Once again, I think it's going to be Michigan, Georgia, Florida State, and I do think it will be Oregon will be the four teams that we're talking about on Monday. We'll take a break. When we come on back, we'll do a little overreaction, proper reaction. It is the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. Another NFL week is complete, which means it's another week to freak out about your favorite team. Which takes are truly crazy. But sometimes a game can be so bad, it's almost good. You know what I'm saying? No. And which are so crazy, they might be right. He's 6'5", he's 245 pounds. He's probably a Popeye's biscuit away from being a tight end. Zach lets you know in this week's edition of Overreaction or Proper Reaction. All right, the Overreaction, Proper Reaction time. Let's get to it. Big Mike CBS, what do you got cooking for me today? All right, so this stat just jumped out of the page and is absolutely insane. NFL teams are 50-2 and two this season when allowing 10 points or less. Okay. Both of those two losses were by the Patriots the last two weeks when they lost 10-7 and 10-6 in consecutive weeks. Mm-hmm. It's crazy how bad their offense is. Today, Bill O'Brien said Mac Jones isn't the main reason for their struggles. What I see is that he's a very bright guy. He works very hard. He's passionate about the game. Things haven't gone great for him this year. You know, I don't think that he's the number one guy to blame. You want to blame anybody? Blame me. Uh, I'm the one that that designs it, and it's not going very well. So overreaction, proper reaction. Bill O'Brien is the number one reason for the Pats' offensive struggles. That's overreaction. Now, I'm not giving Bill O'Brien a pass. I'm not giving Mac Jones a pass. But I don't think it matters who the QB is, who the OC is. When you trot out these weapons or lack of weapons and try to win football games in the year of 2023, Bill Belichick is the, is the biggest reason for the Patriots' problems right now because he waited a year to go get Mac Jones, legit offensive coordinator, when Josh McDaniels got the job with the Raiders and he put Patricia and Judge on the field. So you wait a year, you finally get Bill O'Brien, and then what, were you planning on waiting another year until you got Mac Jones, a legit number one wide receiver? There's just not enough talent on this roster where I don't think Mac Jones is a good QB, but I don't think he is this bad as the way that he's playing right now. But it's frustrating when you know this is a make-or-break year, and I'm not saying Mac has conducted himself in the best way, 
but you don't have the tools that are necessary to make sure that the car is driving. Pretty much like Belichick said to Mac Jones, here's a car. I'll give you a tire on it. I'll give you a windshield uh, wipers, but you don't have three other tires and your right passenger side door is uh, is busted open. Like, do you feel safe driving that car? Do you think that car is going to get very far? I do not. Belichick's the problem. He's not putting his quarterback or his offensive coordinator in a position to succeed. Now, the Chargers dropped to 4-7 and seven after losing their third straight game. And while all eyes are on Brandon Staley, Justin Herbert hasn't been stellar either. In his four-year career, Herbert is just 29-31 and 31 as a starter. And though he's on pace for 30 touchdowns this year, he's going for his fourth consecutive year over 10 interceptions. So overreaction, proper reaction. Justin Herbert is not a top-tier NFL quarterback. So when you say top-tier... Because I have to ask this question because you believe that everything should just be expanded these days in the sports world, going back to our college football playoff conversation. And maybe that's different between you and I. Like, I'm very strict on how many teams I'm going to call great, how many quarterbacks I'm going to call great, how many great teams I want to see in the college football playoffs. Santa's like, everyone, come to the party. We have the biggest family barbecue in the world. Everyone's invited. So I just want to ask you this. How many do you consider top tier in the NFL out of 32 teams? There's no number. It's just who do you think the quarterbacks are who are the top tier quarterbacks? Mahomes, Hurts, Josh Allen, Burrow. Who, if it's two, if it's one, if it's eight, whatever that number is of just who you think are in that top tier of like the best of the best quarterbacks. Is Justin Herbert in that tier of best of the best quarterbacks? I think he, man, this is going to sound like a backhanded compliment because it's it's not meant to be. I think he is second tier right now where I think he is a very good quarterback and I do see signs of greatness. But if you ask me who the top tier quarterbacks are in football, I would say there's four. And I think four is a fair number. Like everyone's chasing Mahomes, but my four would be Mahomes, Burrow, Jalen Hurts, and then also Josh Allen would still be in there. And you know what? With this year, him being an if-healthy Lamar Jackson, too. I would say right now those are the five best quarterbacks, and I'm not throwing Rodgers in that conversation because he hasn't played this year. I know you could say, oh, well, maybe then you take Burr out. So if I take Burr out, I would throw Lamar Jackson in the conversation for this year. So if you had to choose who you'd want to be the quarterback of your team, Lamar Jackson or Justin Herbert, who you Well, that's taking? a different conversation. Well, I'm mean, talking is. about top-tier quarterbacks. We're I, about I would rather think- have... I'd rather have Herbert over Jackson if you're asking me for the next 10 years because of the injuries that Lamar has suffered and the style of play that Lamar Jackson has. I think that's a different conversation. But in terms of this year and what we've seen even heading into the year or where we are now, um, I would say Lamar Jackson right now is playing better football than Justin Herbert. So I know when I say proper reaction, Justin Herbert is not a top-tier quarterback. That's not me like being Emmanuel Acho and saying, oh, he's overrated, he sucks, blah, 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 blah. I just have a standard and a small list of the top-tier quarterbacks. Herbert is on his way. He needs better coaching, um, but he is in that second tier right now. Really, really good, just not in the great tier. Now, after leading the NFL with 15 picks last year, Dak has thrown just 6 through 11 games for the 8-3 and three Cowboys and is being mentioned in the MVP conversation. No, I mean, it means I'm playing well. Simple as that. Not really. I'm about one goal, and it's a big team goal. And I know if my name's in there, that means we're playing well. So that's, that, that's great. Um, but at the end of the day, we're just trying to build. So overreaction, proper reaction. Dak is a top five MVP candidate this year. 
I would say that's a proper reaction. Now, I don't think he's in the top three. I don't think he should win the award. Uh, He could not get the ball in the end zone against the Eagles when he was at the six. They didn't show up against the San Francisco 49ers. The three names that I would put in front right now of Dak Prescott, Jalen Hurts. I would also put Lamar Jackson in front of him. Um, I would even say C.J. Stroud, too. And if you, if you had to give one non-quarterback, I would say Tyreek Hill. And then I would put Dak in there at five, and you could debate Tua, but I, I do think when you put Tyreek Hill in there, it takes votes away from uh, Tua Tunga-Vailoa. But I looked at the odds right now. Jalen Hurts is at plus 140. Mahomes plus 350. Dak Prescott at plus 800. Lamar Jackson at plus 500. Two at plus 800. So that's where you kind of look at your, your MVP odds right now. Now, the Lions fell to 8-3 and three with that Thanksgiving Day loss to the Packers. Now, since beating the Chiefs on opening night, the Lions haven't beaten a team who currently has a winning record in the NFL. Two of their losses came to winning teams in the Seahawks and the Ravens. Everything else has been against losing teams. So overreaction, proper reaction. The Lions are more mirage than true contender. Well, but that's not true. Is that only in the NFC you're saying? No. Oh, since you're saying since, since beating the Chiefs. Since beating the Chiefs. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So since gotcha. week one. Yeah, you're right, you're right on that. Sorry. Um, I think they're a very good team. Ultimately, when we sit here today, I think there's only two teams that I feel good about making the Super Bowl out of the NFC. That's Philadelphia. And that's the 49ers. So when you say they're more of a mirage and a true contender, I think that's harsh, but I can't say that they are going to a Super Bowl this year. So I would have to say that's a proper reaction. The Falcons and Saints are tied atop the NFC South at five and six after Atlanta won their matchup this weekend. Desmond Ritter is five and four as a starter with the team losing both games. Taylor Heineke started. So overreaction, proper reaction. The Falcons could actually win a playoff huh. game with Desmond Ritter under center. Arthur Smith handing the football off to Bijan Robinson 30 times a game? <laughs> I mean, he's been doing it a little bit more lately. Yeah, but still not nearly enough. Um, I would say that is a overreaction. Whoever wins the NFC South, all they're going to do is show up for the playoff game. Maybe they'll put up a little bit of a fight, but they're not going to win that playoff game. I just do not see how the NFC South team, when you're going up against the best non-division champion as the fifth seed because they're going to be 4-5. I don't see how, so how you Falcons, find a way. Cowboys, maybe? Yeah, the Cowboys. The Cowboys beat up on bad teams. The Cowboys would beat up on whoever wins the NFC South. Uh, and trust me, I don't say many positive words <laughs> about the Dallas Cowboys because they're not a great team. They're just a good team. But the, the Falcons winning a playoff game, a Ritter, oh yeah, big-time overreaction. Now, everyone wrote the Colts off after they lost Anthony Richardson for the season, but Gardner Minshew has them rolling with three straight wins, albeit against pretty uh, below-average competition. And Indy holds the final playoff slot right now in the AFC. However, the Colts may be without Jonathan Jonathan Taylor. Hand injury, yeah. Yeah, as he deals with a thumb injury. So overreaction, proper reaction. The Colts will make the playoffs. Who? They've actually been the quietest story in the NFL. Like, if I told people the Colts were 6-5, and five, I don't think many people would know that right now. <laughs> I really don't. No one talks about Indianapolis 
ever since Richardson did go down and the Jonathan Taylor contract situation got sorted out. And the only other time we talk about Indianapolis when their owner says something stupid and goes on a, a Twitter tirade rant, and which was just absolutely ridiculous at the end of, of last week. But the Colts, their schedule, Tennessee, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Atlanta, the Raiders, and the Texans. Man, if, if they... They already beat Tennessee once. I think they lose to Tennessee this week. I think they beat the Bengals. I think they lose to Pittsburgh. Hmm. I think they lose to Atlanta. I think they beat the Raiders, and I think they lose to the Texans. So I think they're going to be in the outside looking in. They're going to have a, a solid season. I think they're going to be fine this year, but I do not think they're going to make the playoffs. So you asked me the Colts to make the playoffs, I will go an overreaction. Hey, by the way, I gave you this uh, scenario right before we started uh, the the uh, the show about the college football playoff or this uh, this final hour of the show, and I said who gets left out in this scenario? You know, Michigan winning the Big Ten championship, Alabama being the SEC champ, Oregon being the Pac-12 champ, Florida State winning the ACC, and then Texas winning the Big 12 championship. So that would set up Alabama 12 and one. It would set up Oregon at 12 and one, Texas 12 and one. Florida State 13-0 and Michigan 13-0. And even though this wouldn't be logical because they'd be putting an Alabama over Texas and I think Texas should get in over Alabama, but I don't think they will. I gave you the four teams of Michigan, Alabama, Oregon, and Florida State. Aaron Murray, who we like a lot, I guess 24-7 sports put out the same question. And Aaron Murray said, if you have Michigan at 13-0, Alabama 12-1, Oregon 12-1, Florida State 13-0 and Texas 12-1. Aaron Murray believes Oregon would be left out, which I can't see. And maybe we'll get Aaron on later in the week because I can't see how Oregon's going to get left out. The Pac-12 this year has been the best conference in college football. How would you leave out a one-loss Pac-12 champion? And I guess it would be the committee's way of saying, oh, it's Oregon, it's a Pac-12, we'll just push them aside so we could justify putting in Alabama. That's to me would be the the justification. I don't know if Aaron Murray believes that's what should happen. Maybe this believes that what will happen because the committee probably will get roasted if they put an Alabama over Texas. And I don't see how you could hold out a 13-0 Florida State. So maybe that's Aaron Murray's way of justifying Alabama getting in and not ruining that whole Alabama-Texas debate. But I don't see how that would be fair whatsoever when Oregon would have one loss and it would be to Washington who's currently a top-four team, and Washington, they lost to them by three points, and then they would avenge that loss, and they would be left out? I I don't see how the Pac-12 champion, like Washington wins, they're in. But Oregon wins, and they only have one loss, I don't see a way how they get left out of the college football playoff. You know, it's weird, because in my head, when you say the Pac-12 has been the best conference this season, in my head, I'm like, yeah, of course. But then you start thinking, Utah's been without... Cam rising all, yeah, year, all year, right? They're eight and four. USC has been a train wreck. Colorado started off hot, but they're one and eight in conference. Oregon State played well. Oregon State has played well, but they're twenty-one in the country. They're eight and four. Arizona Wildcats are the third best yeah. team, and they're the fourth. And like they're Arizona, have the Pac-12 really been the the best conference? If you really look at the SEC, well, Georgia, Missouri, Tennessee, Kentucky, Alabama, Ole Miss, LSU. Like I still think the SEC is the best. They might be down. But I think they're better than the Pac-12 this year. But you have Oregon and Washington who have been in the top six or, you know, yeah, top six. And then you have Michigan and Ohio State who have two 
top 16s. We'll see what happens after tonight. You know, Ohio State's going to fall. But outside of that, there's no threat there. And then when you look at the SEC, yeah, it's been Alabama and Georgia, but we spent all year trying to say that Alabama didn't belong and they found a way to come back against Tennessee and they found a way to pull a rabbit out of the hat up against Auburn when they probably should have lost that game. They do have five teams in the top 13, Mm -hmm. which is pretty impressive, including the number one team in the country, two-time defending national champion. And Alabama might be eight, but I don't think anybody truly believes they're the eighth best team in the country. You think they're better? Of course. Right? So, like, Alabama is Alabama. Georgia is elite, beyond elite. Mm-hmm. And then Missouri, Ole Miss, and LSU, all top 13 teams. If you look at the yeah, Pac-12, but LSU they has have three losses. They have Washington. They have Oregon. But, like, listen, I love Washington, and I really love Michael Penix. But I've seen my ASU Sun Devils. They are one of the worst teams I've ever seen ASU field. And they they almost won that game. If it wasn't for, like, a crazy pick, pick six for Washington— that game could have gone for ASU. Washington has looked really vulnerable against really but bad they competition. Lost. They haven't lost. I understand. But it's the same thing with FSU. Like, I like Florida State. Their big win is against LSU, who has three losses. The, Wait, the, but you were just hyping up LSU. No, I'm just saying LSU is it's it's fine. Because that's what I was They're going the to say. They're the best team in the SEC. But, like, I, I just, I don't know. But also the Pac-12 beat up on on one another, an and that factors Florida, into it. Yeah, I know. But he, and here's the weird thing, and I know this sounds terrible, but an undefeated Florida State without Jordan Travis, I don't think belongs into the college football playoff. But how do you not put a team in that's undefeated I, in, a, no, in a Power Five right. conference? No, you're a hundred percent right. You can't not put them in, but they shouldn't be in. But you know what this goes back to? Is it the and it's a very vague definition because you know the committee could always say. Uh, you see what I have here? Glasses? Little eye test. That's what they could use as their cop-out, and they've used that before. Is it the most deserving teams, or is it the best teams? Because then if that's the case, why play the games? I think we could all just say who the four best teams are, and and then boom, you have a college football playoff. But you got to show that you belong. Like last year, for example, if Alabama played TCU, I all think we would have picked Alabama to beat TCU. But Alabama didn't deserve to belong because they lost two games that they, you know, Tennessee, okay, you probably shouldn't have lost that when they lost one of their game. It's It was tough to say that Alabama deserved to belong because then what? If they had three losses, do we then say, oh, they're still the best team in college football? And that's a thing that I think it's tough for us to decipher where it should be the most deserving teams. And you would think the most deserving teams are the best teams, but that's not always the case because of all the different conferences that they end up lying in. I know. So as I'm looking at your scenario, there's like with that scenario – I can see Michigan, Bama, Georgia, Oregon, FSU, Texas. That's six teams who are trying to fit into a four-team spot. All six of them belong. And so I look at, like, who will be the four best teams to put on the field. FSU is not one of them. Which is a fair opinion to have. And I think what the point you make is very valid. And I think you agree with me on this. There's just no way that they're going to be left out. Agreed. And I think that would be a shame because, like, what do you then say to them? You got left out because you lost your quarterback, but when you lost your quarterback, you still won <laughs> both those games. You still beat, even though it was sloppy, you still beat Florida, and then you beat Louisville. So you still won. It'd be one if, if they lost, it's different. And maybe Louisville, it would be very college football like. Louisville loses last week to Kentucky after saying that's the the biggest game that they'll play this season. Jeff Brom said on the show, and then watch they'll end up beating Florida State. And even though Louisville would not have got in as a one loss ACC champ. Now with two losses, it's like, oh, no one ends up winning out of the ACC. That would be very Pac-12-like for the ACC through the last few years.
Let's get the latest CBS Sports Radio update in with the Ackman, Rich Ackerman. All right, wrapping up shop. It is the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, so let's get into a little conversation about fan behavior real quickly. I saw at the end of the Eagles-Bills game, you had a few Bills players confronting an Eagles fan, and then there was a push with Shaq Lawson that he delivered it to that fan. This is Bills coach Sean McDermott on Shaq Lawson's confrontation with the fan. It's unfortunate that that, that would go on during a game in particular, and uh, what I'm aware of is that people were asked to, to have the fan removed and, and nothing was done. So at the end of the day, that's, uh, that's not for us to, to concern us, ourselves with at this point. And it's just unfortunate overall that, that that would be taking place during a game. So the question just becomes, what did the fans say? Because if the fan just said, boo, like you suck, you're terrible, you know, you're a, a piece of garbage or something like that. Like I'm not condoning that. But I do think that doesn't warrant an ejection. Now, if the fan said something incredibly offensive or if the fan was attacking family members of the player, okay, he should get ejected. He's an idiot. But I don't know what the fan said. So I don't want to just quickly jump to conclusion and go, oh, anytime a fan gets told they should be ejected because a player or coach does that, 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 that says they should get ejected, I don't think that necessarily warrants an ejection. Ultimately, it all comes down to what the fan did say, and I haven't seen anything come to light on uh, what did transpire there. Now, um, let's get to Russell Westbrook, who also had an altercation with the fan last night. This is uh, Russell Westbrook. Fans kind of have the right of way to kind of say whatever they want, uh, but like I told you, any disrespect to me, my family, I won't allow it. Because the only thing I would ask is this, um, I understand fans are happy, enjoying the game and, you know, uh, feeling but all the negativity, the negative comments about family and things of that nature, um, I would kind of stay away from. So once again, it comes down to what do the fans say? Because Russell Westbrook basically said, he said something about my family. Now, what is the definition of saying something about someone's family? Like, yeah, if he's talking about Russell Westbrook's children, if he's talking about Russell Westbrook's uh, wife, yeah, I get it. A fan should be ejected. You don't just because you're sitting close. You don't have the right to just say whatever you want with no consequences. But with Russell Westbrook, I remember that whole Westbrook thing, and he's like, "Oh, that's offensive to my family, and my kids have to deal with that at school. People are calling him Westbrook and everything." If you just say Westbrook, I don't think that's offensive to somebody's family. But Russ is taking that as offensive. So I don't know what the fan said. But it wouldn't shock me if the fan just said, hey, nice shot, Westbrook. And then Russell Westbrook goes, oh, that's offensive to my family. Like, Stu, you were a fan of Lakers. You saw, unfortunately, Russell Westbrook uh, play for your team. Uh, You remember the whole Westbrook thing? Uh, That was almost as if he took that as that was offensive to his family because they were changing the name of his family. Yeah, I know he pulled that card a lot. Um, Yeah, I I probably tweeted Westbrook a lot of times. (laughs) Maybe maybe they should ban you off of Twitter. Maybe they should, like they did with um, Mike over here a couple years ago when he oh, yeah. had a little kerfuffle with you. I will say, uh, Big Mike CBS brought in some leftovers today. Ooh, Didn't offer them to me, but I saw he had a, a little turkey that was brought uh, in. And what was that, a sweet potato pie? A little sweet potato pie, a little cranberry jello mold, which is like my favorite thing ever. So a little bit of cranberry, a little bit of pineapple, some walnuts. And like a jello mold. That we there was would... turkey on that plate, too. Oh, there was turkey. 
Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of delicious. I was never going to offer you turkey. There's no way you deserve my delicious, amazing mother's turkey. Well, I looked at your plate, and I thought the plate looked decent. And then I saw that just dry turkey sitting there. And I'm mm-hmm. like, ugh. Out of all the things on the plate, you had then turkey. It was mm-hmm. clear who was the most unattractive food item on that dish. See, here's the, the thing. The turkey may or may not be dry as a just a definition of the turkey. But when you – the benefit of it, it, it – it serves as kind of a blank palette for you to put the cranberry and the sweet potato pie. Yeah, and you got to dress it up because it's not that good. And the gravy. and you. But that's, it's not about dressing up the turkey. It's about having something that you can combine all these amazing flavors into one. You need a solid piece of something that's not going to overpower the flavor of the cranberry or the sweet potato. You put it all together. There's nothing better than a bite of turkey, cranberry, sweet potato, and stuffing all at once. And then dip it in the gravy. Oh, my God. You get like five flavors at once. And the turkey serves it just a perfect little flavor without overpowering. This was brought to my attention yesterday. Legendary Florida radio host, Mark Hockman, after seeing my lasagna and after hearing my push about how we got rid of the turkey and we gave the bird to the bird a few years ago in my family, he tweeted out and made a declaration that they will no longer do turkey at his Thanksgiving because there's just so many better alternatives for Thanksgiving. So I'm telling you, we're changing people day by day. I saw this like four or five years ago when I got her CBS Sports Radio. Then you hear Dan Campbell saying You're ruining uh, turkey America. sucks. Mark Hockman saying turkey sucks. I'm just the voice for the voiceless, and I will continue to be the voice for the voiceless. And you know what? You saying I'm ruining America is disrespectful to my family. It really is. So I'm going to have Spike Eskin eject you from the stadium. Hey, Gelbrick. Oh, that's not nice. I'm really offended. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to make me cry. All right, that concludes the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio for today. We have a fun guest for you tomorrow. One of my favorite TV shows ever, reality TV shows, is the Jersey Shore. Friend of the show, Mike the Situation, is going to join us in studio tomorrow. I'm going to ask him about Thanksgiving because he's a big foodie. We will circle back in the Thanksgiving debate. Uh, I see him eating chicken tenders all the time. So Mike the Situation will join us in studio tomorrow. Still to come this week, we will have someone from the Michigan football team join us on Thursday. We'll tell you who. Dan Lanning's going to join us on Thursday as well. And uh, Sean Merriman is uh, back in New York City, so he'll stop by our CBS Sports Radio studios as well sometime this week. So two uh, shows in the book for this week, three more to go. Also four if you consider Ion Football on Sunday. Uh, But right here in this time, a lot of 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern, noon to 3 p.m. Pacific. I'd like to thank Yogi Roth for stopping by today, each and every one of you for participating in the show. Big thanks to Samter. Big thanks to uh, Stu as well, and we'll be back tomorrow on a very, very, very busy Wednesday edition of the show. All righty, everybody, we out. Bye-bye. Have a good night. Peace. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoops. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.